Hey, this is Mohal Joshi from Los Angeles, California. I follow Indian foreign policy and defense with a special focus on Asia. You can follow me on Twitter at Mohal Joshi. Hey, this is Kishore Narayan from Bengaluru in India. I am an international relations expert specializing in global security, conflict resolution, and international negotiation. My focus areas include peace building and digital diplomacy. You can find me on Twitter at Veggie Diplomat. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of India Rising Strategic Affairs Conversations with Mohal and Kishore. In today's episode, we will be looking at the hot topic of discussion right now, the 2 plus 2 dialogue between the United States and India. So let's get started right away. A 2 plus 2 dialogue is a meeting between the foreign minister and the defense ministers of two nations uh, to discuss the strategic and security interests where the goal is to establish a diplomatic yet fruitful conversation between the two countries respective heads of uh, the defense and external affairs. India has already conducted two plus two dialogues earlier with Japan and uh, Australia in 2010 and 2017 respectively. Uh, India and the US started out with uh, strategic dialogues since uh, 2010, meeting every year at an undersecretary level, except for 2017 when uh, President Trump and Prime Minister Modi met. It was decided then that going forward, the strategic dialogue uh, would be expanded into a 2 plus 2 dialogue. This resulted in the first 2 plus 2 dialogue to be held at, uh, to be held at New Delhi uh, on the 6th of September. Uh, India was represented by uh, Minister for External Affairs uh, Srimati Sushma Swaraj and uh, Defense Minister Srimati Nir Nirmala Sitaraman and the United States was represented by uh, Secretary of State uh, Mr. Michael Pompeo uh, and uh, Secretary of Defense Mr. James Mattis. After this meeting, India would have had uh, two plus two dialogues with uh, all the fellow members of the so-called uh, Quad, which is basically a four-nation grouping consisting of uh, India, Australia, Japan, and the United States. Uh, so Mohal, uh, the question uh, that everybody keeps asking is that the meeting got delayed a couple of times and it was said that uh, the US and the India relationship relationship had actually hit a rough patch. Uh, well, most of us uh, understand that this is not a fair assessment. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what do you what do you think about it? See, uh, the first postponement was on account of uh, the former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson's removal. Uh, while the second time around, uh, I believe in July, the two plus two meeting was scheduled. But then uh, Trump uh, sent uh, President Trump sent Mike Pompeo to North Korea to resolve the vexing nuclear weapons issue uh, case. So it was unfortunately delayed twice. Now the delay in the talks, uh, it's like it suggests that it's a more like a mundane reason of scheduling issue rather than a, a deep conspiracy or a deep souring of the ties uh, between the India and the U.S. Uh, bilateral cooperation, uh, including defense, has grown by leaps and bounds over the last few years. So let me give you a couple of examples just from uh, 2018 or this year. So in May, uh, the U.S. Defense Secretary James Mattis announced that the Pacific Command 
has been renamed the Indo-Pacific Command. Uh, so Ma James Mattis uh, emphasized that this was a recognition of the changing reality and the critical role that India was going to play in shaping the future of this uh, very vital region. So he said, and I quote, we need to recognize the growing significance of the Indian Ocean, the Indian subcontinent and India itself. So I wanted to make certain that the title reflected the re reality. And even during the two plus two meeting, which just got concluded yesterday, the joint statement said, like, and I quote, uh, both sides committed to work together and in concert with other partners towards advancing a free, open and inclusive Indo-Pacific based on recognition of ASEAN centrality and on the respect of sovereignty, territorial integrity, rule of law, good governance, free and fair trade and freedom of navigation and overflight. Uh, so this was like basically a, a pointed reference to ch no doubt China and the statement further said that noting the infrastructure, the uh, noting the <clears throat> importance of the infrastructure and connectivity of Indo-Pacific, both sides emphasize the need to work collectively with other partner countries to support transparent and responsible debt financing uh, practices in infrastructure development, which also which was basically calling out the the OBOR BRI initiative by China, which is turned into a debt trap for several countries uh, which have uh, embraced Chinese loans in the uh, recent past. Right. The, the right. other example I wanted to give was just a little over a month ago, the US granted the strategic trade authorization number one status to India. Now, India was used to be in a, a STA two category. It has been upgraded to STA one category. So what this does is it just eases regulations for advanced defense and aerosport exports to India. Interestingly, India is only the third Asian nation to be on the list after Japan and South Korea to have this designation. Uh, traditionally, the US has only placed its closest allies in the STA one, who are also a member of the four export control regimes, the MTCR, the Vasenar Agreement, Australia Group and NSG. Uh, and curiously, Israel, which is one of the US's most staunchest allies on planet Earth, hasn't been given this status because I guess they haven't signed many of these uh, control regimes. So now what does STA-1 do for India? Now, as you know, many of these uh, advanced defense technologies, it requires uh, licenses for export, exporting these uh, technologies outside of US to its closest allies and partners. So what this does is this will uh, reduce the number of licenses uh, and streamline the process, making easier for India to get hardware in the future. So these two are like a very brief set of examples which show that uh, there have been some uh, ups and downs in the relationship, but it's mostly been an upward trajectory. Yep. And also uh, another interesting point to note is that uh, the second time when uh, the two plus two got uh, postponed, uh, uh, US ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, herself uh, flew down to Delhi and met with uh, Prime Minister Narendra Modi to indicate that uh, uh, the, the dialogue would have to be postponed. So it was not, uh, it was not a uh, it was not a rude uh, press statement that was uh, given out, but a more uh, personal uh, communication that uh, actually was uh, done at that stage. So yeah, I, I kind of agree with uh, what, what you're pointing at, that uh, 
uh, although although there are a few downs uh, here and there but overall uh, the relationship has been uh, positive all along so yeah so uh, talking about the uh, two plus two dialogue itself and uh, what uh, uh, happened it within the meeting uh, a new agreement called the comcast uh, was signed uh, in this and uh, this has garnered a lot of uh, attention so uh, mohan you want to elaborate a little on this yeah so let me rewind back to a few years so in the 2016 the us and india signed like the first of three foundational military cooperation agreements so back then it was called lamoa the logistics exchange memorandum of agreement what it does basically it allows partner countries to exchange food fuel transportation ammo and equipment when in uh, the other countries territories uh, now uh, this agreement was uh, on the table being negotiated for quite some time and the previous upa government uh, had some internal opposition so it wasn't signed it was eventually during the current government uh, under narendra prime minister narendra modi which uh, shed these inhibitions uh, that it wouldn't impinge on your uh, strategic autonomy and went ahead and signed this lamoa agreement now what comcasa is basically the second of these uh, foundational agreements so comcasa basically stands for communications Cap capability and security agreement so now what comcasa does is like basically it will allow two countries to exchange encrypted information or communication uh, like voice and data so to date um, like us has sold like a lot of these uh, hardwares to india such as the p8i the c130 but many times what has happened is that some of these high end security uh, equipment has been removed because the comcasa wasn't signed now there were some reservations in india even as of today that this will allow the us to spy on india or note where the uh, the military platforms of india are at now new delhi is like seeking a pledge from washington that it won't use misuse the communication system for spying on india and also won't shut down when they like to uh, or when they think they don't want to any more cooperate they won't arbitrarily shut the system at a random time so india wanted to some of these assurances to make sure that some india specific uh, assurances were given apparently by us to india okay so how exactly would the uh, comcast agreement help uh, the indian armed forces then so basically comcast will help in exchange of information like what traditionally in the military jargon it's called c4 isr so c4 isr stands for command control communications computer computers intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance so basically data from a foreign country can be shared with another country through secure encrypted channels now uh, as i mentioned earlier c130 and pti which are already sold to e india now we'll be able to fully exploit their potential so back in 2012 for example the p8 uh, maritime uh, anti submarine warfare and uh, maritime surveillance planes they had certain hardware removed from them because comcasa wasn't signed now we will be able to use these systems to uh, exchange information between the us and uh, india now another thing as you know that the 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 chinese navy the plan 
was not present in the Indian Ocean before 2008. And steadily over the years, their, in, their presence in the Indian Ocean has uh, increased significantly. So there is a challenge of maintaining uh, what we call as a MDA, Maritime Domain Awareness in the IOR to make sure which Chinese ships are coming and going. Now, IOR is a vast region and we would be, as you know, we would be short on some kind of resources to monitor each and every movement. The Indian Navy does claim that they have a good idea of when these enter and exit uh, into the Indian Ocean region. So now what will happen is let's say the Comcast assign whenever a US warship aircraft or any kind of surveillance equipment detects a Chinese surface ship or submarine entering or exiting the Indian Ocean region. This information can be shared in real time with India if some certain arrangements are made. So let me quote you an example how this is useful. So as you know, last year we had the now famous or infamous, whatever you call it, the Doklam standoff with China on the Indo-Bhutan-China tri-junction. So what happened is India had a good idea of what was happening at the standoff point but if they didn't have a good idea of what was happening beyond it inside uh, well inside china so what india had to do is india had to rely on us to obtain information so the us did help out with information but it has to be physically passed through several security layers to reach india so this sort of exchange which took a uh, quite some time now can technically be possible on a real-time basis so you would have very accurate information by leveraging the US resources, be it on land, air and sea to exchange uh, real time information uh, uh, on a basis. Also, I mean, many times you might see those fancy heads up display or a radar display on a certain uh, airplane. Now imagine if that whatever the USC, if Indian can also see the same thing in a terms or in times of conflict, it would help us a lot by knowing where the adversary is. So the two sides have signed this agreement. There is a third one which should happen soon. I mean, it's called BECA, the Basic Exchange and Cooperation Agreement, which would enable to share the advanced satellite data for navigation and missile targeting with India. Interesting. Okay. So, uh... Moving away, moving away from Comcast, uh, uh, we've discussed enough of it. So uh, there was quite a bit of uh, talk about uh, CAPSA, uh, wherein uh, it, it was basically uh, a, a law passed uh, within the US, uh, CAPSA standing for uh, Countering America's Adversaries Through Sanctions Act, wherein they try to penalize any country which tries to uh, indulge in trade with uh, countries like Russia. So mm -hmm. uh, basically, uh, New Delhi wants to uh, purchase the S-400 uh, surface-to-air missiles from uh, Russia uh, to bolster its uh, uh, air defense. And uh, US uh, obviously does not want uh, New Delhi to go ahead with uh, this kind of a purchase. So uh, New Delhi on its part though, uh, wants to remind the U.S. that uh, uh, any any act of imposing sanctions on uh, India would actually be fundamentally unfair. And uh, since there is a real constraint uh, uh, on the part of India to maintain uh, diverse international partnerships. So basically, India wants uh, 
the U.S. to provide some kind of a waiver, uh, wherein uh, India would not be penalized for uh, going ahead with uh, the purchase. Mm -hmm. So uh, even Nirmala Sitaraman uh, claimed uh, yesterday saying that CATSA uh, was not a uh, act uh, of the United Nations, act passed in the United Nations, but rather was an act passed uh, within the United States. And uh, <clears throat> and also that the S-400 deal has been happening for uh, quite a few years and not just uh, in the past uh, week or uh, month. So yeah, that's where CATSA uh, comes into picture and uh, 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 there were talks about how uh, the whole uh, India-US ties might be jeopardized because of this one single deal. But uh, Mohil, uh, any input uh, from your end on uh, yeah, so, what so went ahead? See, CATSA, which is the countering America's adversaries through sanctions act, was basically a law passed by the US Congress to penalize Russia for interfering in the 2016 presidential election in US. Now, many people in Congress have worked diligently to grant India a waiver. So Congress is okay with the waiver. However, it requires a presidential approval. Uh, many on the Hill in like in the US Congress, they which and with bipartisan support, they, they see India as a partner and they understand that we need to give a waiver to India. But as you know, Trump with all his uh, uh, trade imbalance uh, issues with India, whether he will sign the ultimate waiver or not needs to be seen. I mean, there is even, I believe, uh, uh, was it Mike Pompeo, like who said that S-400, uh, there is no resolution on uh, granting an exception to it, correct? Mm, yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so basically it's up to Trump to whether do it. So the feeling, the general feeling I get from here in the US is that, uh, we we will india should get an exemption but the question is for future purposes let's say if you want to get another there have been talks within india to get the camera 226 helicopter 26 helicopters the leasing as additional nuclear submarine now will all those be sanctioned now on the as i said on the capitol hill there's bipartisan support for india because they see like a strategic partner but will they be willing to let india go in the future now s400 now other aspect is uh, the us defense industry so trump has been like touting like you know i want to create jobs for them so what he uh, offered was that in many in the trump administration they have offered the the third system which is their uh, a sort of equivalent system which is the terminal high altitude area defense but i mean i mean i don't want to get too much in the details but the third is like more for ballistic missile defense and we already have the akash and prithvi air defense systems as are part of our ballistic missile shield but the what we are looking from the s100 is like one of the premier systems out there it has a long range of 400 kilometers and it's an ideal weapon to destroy like let's say pakistani or chinese air assets uh, even when the systems are physically located within india so the 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 the, the long reach gives us a, a leg up in terms of countering aerial threats in terms of airplanes uavs uh, early warning systems from the chinese or the pakistani side so again to the trump part like he wants to increase jobs and he wants to increase the military sales to india so to create more jobs and reduce the trade imbalance so it will be interesting to see in the future whether 
they give a one-time waiver and how this will affect the future purchases now some have mentioned that india should drop the uh the s400 purchase to keep us in good humor but i believe uh, i mean as we've been doing from such a from independence like we need to maintain our strategic autonomy and not let our uh, partners dictate what we need to buy and from whom to buy because we need to just evaluate if the system makes sense then um, then we need to go ahead and buy it so i think as uh, uh, jeff smith uh, had mentioned like that like it took a long time to get over the sanctions which post the nuclear test in 98 and the relationship took quite a few to uh, recover now if you call on one hand india as a strategic partner and impose sanctions on them again it will set back the relationship uh, again which we don't want because we both have a common challenge which is china and in, both of them require good cooperation to combat the chinese challenge agree agree yeah okay so uh, apart from comcast and catcher uh, there were a few other points that were covered in the joint statement issued uh, at the end of the meeting and uh, let me quickly go through uh, some of the major points uh, that were mentioned there uh, first and foremost uh, the one that was most interesting for many of us was uh, us and uh, india planning to hold uh, the first uh, joint services Uh, joint military exercises of the tri services including the yeah. air force navy and the army uh, mm-hmm. to be held at visakhapatnam in uh, 2019 uh, india yeah, I mean, currently uh, has this kind of a exercise uh, tri services uh, military exercise only with russia for the time being so uh, india would now uh, be doing it with uh, the us also beginning uh, 2019 in visakhapatnam Yeah, I mean, we have been having the Malabar exercises. Uh, I believe since the early '90s. I mean, they were suspended when we had the nuclear sanctions, but then they yeah. again uh, resumed. So this is significant that now it's the tri services exercise and not just the 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 joint ex- uh, the the single branch navy naval exercises. Right, right. And also another point that was mentioned uh, was that uh, to consolidate uh, maritime cooperation in the Western Indian Ocean. Uh, both india and the us uh, decided to start exchanges uh, between the naval forces central the us naval forces central command and the indian navy so so uh, for people who don't understand how uh, the us looks at the world uh, the us actually splits the world into multiple uh, commands and uh, to to the, india and to the right of india as you see on a map Uh, is what is now called as the Indo-Pacific Command, and to the left of India is what uh, is called as the Central Command. This kind of does not uh, oh, does not gel well with the Indian uh, Indian perspective because um, Prime Minister Narendra Modi, in uh, the keynote address in Shangri-La Dialogue uh, a couple of months ago, clearly indicated that Indian Ocean. Uh, and india's uh, uh, influence in the region uh, stretches all the way from the eastern end of africa all the way up to the malacca strait and further so uh, this kind of uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, did not gel well with the us uh, distinction so now uh, with this kind of uh, agreement to have a maritime cooperation where a naval officer from india would uh, go visit and work uh, in tandem with uh, the yeah. central command in oman 
this would act, this uh, confusion would actually be uh, taken care of. So yeah, now, I mean, uh, uh, earlier yeah, this so year. Uh, uh, yeah, just another point, Mohan. So India would now be uh, interacting uh, closely with uh, the US when it comes to the Indo-Pacific Command. And also to the left, uh, India would also be interacting with uh, the US when it comes to the Central Command. Mohan? Yeah, so uh, one of the points I wanted to make is earlier this year, uh, it was mentioned that a naval attache would be uh, liaising with the uh, US CENTCOM, which I think, uh, I'm, I don't know if this would be an extension of that or this is an exact same uh, announcement being made in a different manner. So that will be interesting to see how this works out. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so uh, another another uh, point uh, which uh, most of us uh, had already guessed was uh, setting up of a secure communication between uh, uh, the Ministry of External Affairs of India and the US uh, Secretary of State, and similarly between the Ministry of Defense, the Raksha Mantri, as we call, uh, of India and the US Secretary of Defense uh, to help maintain a regular high-level communication on emerging de uh, developments. Uh, in common in common language, uh, this is generally called uh, as the hotline. So effectively, India and the US would now have uh, two hotlines. Yeah, the curious part in here is that uh, usually hotlines are established between adversarial nations to make sure that uh, tensions don't rise beyond a certain limit. Uh, but this is uh, probably one of the few occurrences where two friendly relations are uh, establishing a hotline, which I believe is to just ensure they have a secure line of communication quickly rather than going through several official channels to communicate uh, on a much faster basis. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree with you on that. Yeah, so uh, the other thing, uh, the other point that was mentioned in the in the joint statement was something that India kept mentioning all along. So what happened, uh, what happened sometime last year was that uh, there was an announcement of a bilateral dialogue on designation of terrorists. Uh, this happened in 2017. Uh, thereby, what happened was that uh, the US actually uh, went ahead and uh, named uh, terror groups and uh, uh, terrorists as, uh, as uh, global sponsors of terror and uh, so on and so forth. So the the, the Indian minister actually welcomed this kind of a move, and uh, Indian Indian ministers also uh, uh, convinced uh, both the secretaries that uh, the D company, uh, the the Dawood uh, betting syndicate uh, that is active in uh, uh, Pakistan under the under the uh, protection of the ISI. Uh, the Lashkar-e Taiba, uh, led by Hafiz Syed, and uh, all the other multiple uh, terror groups, uh, they all uh, continue to flourish uh, even under the new regime in Pakistan. And the US uh, kind of acknowledged uh, the concern uh, shown by uh, India, and uh, they've kind of uh, agreed that uh, they would continue to work closely uh, in terms of uh, uh, identifying the terrorists and also to identify the flow of uh, funds uh, for these uh, terror groups. So this is yet another 
uh, instance where uh, India and the US uh, look uh, look uh, eye to eye on uh, the issue of uh, terrorism and uh, funding these uh, terrorist groups. Okay, so the other thing uh, that came up was uh, India welcoming the recent uh, US-North uh, Korea summit and the two sides also pledged to work together to counter North Korea's weapons of mass destruction uh, program and to hold accountable uh, uh, all the countries that uh, support uh, North Korean uh, nuclear program. Interestingly, uh, when um, about a month prior to the Singapore summit between President Trump and uh, President uh, Kim, uh, our uh, uh, Deputy Minister uh, for External Affairs uh, also had uh, traveled to Pyongyang uh, to talk with uh, the North Korean officials. And uh, thereby India continues to be on top of uh, uh, all the happenings when it comes to the US-North Korea uh, talks. Now the other thing that uh, uh, Mohal you already spoke about was how uh, India had uh, now gained access to the Australia group, the Vasanar arrangement and the missile technology control regime. Now all these are various groups uh, which uh, kind of uh, uh, elaborate on uh, the kind of access that uh, different countries have to mm -hmm. nuclear material and uh, yeah. uh, for uh, peaceful nuclear, purposes. Yeah, it's nuclear, chemical, and biological. So these are basically export control regimes. Uh, exactly. And I, I believed uh, we have complete the the uh, the, the four. Uh, I mean, we got a membership to three of them. And from NSG, I know like China doesn't is not allowing India to become a full member. But uh, we have gotten a waiver, which is as good as a not a full membership, but basically like a pseudo membership, I can say, you know. So this will have good benefits because that opened the door for STA one and also has many ancillary benefits. Uh, for example, like, you know, the, the Brahmos had launched a cruise missile. So the MTCR for it dictated that the range has to be whenever you export to a country which is not under MTCR, it has to be below 300 kilometers. So the Brahmos missile, which was developed jointly with Russia, used to be 290 kilometers. Now, since we are a part of the MTCR, we are developing a range of like, I believe, like somewhere in like the seven or 800 kilometers. So there are other ancillary benefits uh, of uh, joining all these export control regimes. And we are exporting Brahmos to Vietnam, if I'm not wrong. Uh, it, that's in the discussion, but I guess the objection from China is holding it back. Uh, mm -hmm. Even like Russia has made an offer, but there is no clarity. I mean, apparently it was offered and then taken back. So, um, I mean, it's still under discussion. I would say like there's no clear clarity on it, uh, on exporting to Vietnam because, uh, you know, like China is going to raise huge red flags to such a sale. Okay. But it can okay. be done in the future for sure. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, moving on, the uh, yet another point that was mentioned in the joint statement was uh, how both sides uh, look, looked forward to full implementation of the civil nuclear energy partnership and collaboration uh, between Nuclear Power Corporation of India Limited, uh, the NPCIL, and uh, Westinghouse Electric Company in the US. 
for the establishment of uh, nuclear power plants uh, right here in India. And uh, in addition, uh, India also urged the US to ensure a non-discriminatory and predictable approach to the H-1B visa uh, process that is being uh, followed right now. So ever since the Trump administration uh, took office, uh, there have been uh, there have been discordant uh, noises coming out from uh, Washington DC uh, claiming that the H1B visa regime would be tampered. So India India rightfully so was concerned uh, regarding this, and uh, looks like India has actually uh, conveyed its concerns to the uh, to the two secretaries. Now, in addition uh, to uh, all the points mentioned, India also emphasized that uh, uh, India and the US have a convergent view on the Indo-Pacific, where uh, Mohal, as you already pointed out, uh, both these countries uh, look at uh, the Indo-Pacific as a region, uh, as a free, open, and inclusive concept, with ASEAN centrality at the core and defined by a common rules-based order obviously taking a dig at China uh, when it comes to uh, yeah. freedom of navigation and of uh, operations in the uh, East South and South China Sea. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, and uh, the last point that uh, was mentioned in the joint statement was with regards to Afghanistan. Uh, so uh, a point was made wherein it said that both countries discussed the efforts being put to promote an Afghan-led Afghan-owned and Afghan government-controlled reconciliation process in an attempt to bring together all the ethnic groups and political formations. Now, for me, this was interesting because uh, India by itself does not recognize Taliban. And uh, the US is now kind of uh, uh, having direct talk, talks with uh, Taliban, even bypassing the Afghan government. So India may, uh, may have to uh, reluctantly agree to uh, work together with uh, Taliban whenever uh, Taliban uh, comes into the uh, limelight, whenever uh, comes on, uh, whenever Taliban comes on to the uh, front stage. So this was something interesting for me, and uh, I will be keenly uh, watching out uh, on uh, this regard. Yeah, India is caught in a quandary because, uh, as you said, they haven't had relations with the Taliban. Now, US uh, under Trump like wants uh, America first policy where he wants to withdraw from the world stage. Uh, part of it is being withdrawing from Afghanistan. Now, uh, as a part of the reconciliation, like Taliban has to be included in any final peace deal with the Afghani government. And this puts India in a quandary that if Taliban is going to be one of the main uh, parts of the for uh, the future Afghan government. How do we deal with this situation and we prevent it from collapsing into chaos like they did, like it did after the Soviets withdrew from Afghanistan in 1989? Hmm, I agree. And I okay, believe so just, uh, last week, I think, uh, or last month, uh, uh, there was this uh, talks in Moscow for the between all the various parties and even India wanted to participate, I believe. And I think the Afghanistan government withdrew at the last moment, I believe. Right. Uh, Russia kind of uh, spoke with Taliban without actually inviting the Afghan government. So that yeah. was interesting. 
okay so these were the uh, topics covered in the joint statement now one issue that did not feature in the joint statement was about uh, the iranian oil being imported by india and how india was planning to ask the us to provide a waiver in this regard now uh, everybody knows that uh, the us uh, has reimposed the sanctions economic sanctions on uh, iran and uh, as part of uh, this uh the us plans to uh, indicate that uh, all the countries which are uh, buying oil from iran will have to completely stop by the 4th of november by when uh, oil related uh, economic sanctions would come into effect so uh, uh, india uh, relies heavily on uh, uh, oil import and uh, iran is a major uh major uh, export country when it comes to oil for india so uh, in uh, the us obviously wanted uh, india to uh, stop uh, buying oil from uh, iran now in uh, india on its part uh, indicated uh, that uh, uh, india relies heavily on uh, the iranian uh, crude oil and that any any attempt to change uh, the seller to a different country would imply that the uh, the crude oil itself would change which would uh, then imply that we will have to reconfigure all the crude oil uh, refineries that we have in our country which uh, in itself is not a simple process and uh, therefore india wanted uh, 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 wanted washington to kind of understand the uh, intricacies involved and uh, hoped that uh, washington would kind of uh, see through the situation and uh, possibly provide a waiver in that regard so that was one thing that uh, was not mentioned in the joint statement yeah i mean and also for the listeners i wanted to mention that we did discuss the the impact of the iranian uh, sanctions on the indian purchase of oil in episode 1 of our podcast so if you haven't listened uh, uh, to it please go and check out our episode 1 which was released on august 15th of uh, this year right so yeah so uh, from when our uh, then prime minister atal bihari vajpayee described uh, india and the us as natural allies to when the then us president barack obama defined the indo us relationship as one of the defining partnerships of the 20 21st century to having the very first 2 plus 2 dialogue the indo us relationship has been growing by leaps and bounds despite the trust deficit prevalent since the cold war days and other strategic factors like india maintaining an equal distance between the us and the soviet union now despite all these we indeed have come a long way uh, the 2 plus 2 dialogue will now uh, be an annual affair Uh, as has been announced uh, yesterday and uh, the next meeting will be held in washington dc in uh, 2019 yeah i mean uh, many commentators have missed the woods for the trees in this uh, strategic relationship between the india and us so they kept to pointing at like many irritants in the relationship such as catsa oil imports from iran and trade imbalance but they what they fail to see is that the overall trajectory of these ties is on has been on an upward rise for the past few years and also not only in india within certain circles but also uh, there is bipartisan support uh, in capital hill in congress 
for the closening relationship with India and uh, uh, US. And they see that uh, this is a strategic relationship which needs to be uh, further deepened to uh, combat the challenge of uh, ascendant China. And also in India, I mean, there are few uh, legacy inhibitions of aligning too closely with the US. But slowly, we have shown that even while maintaining strategic autonomy, uh, we have been able to uh, sort of drift towards US and deepen our relationship to uh, uh, take on the challenge of the Chinese hegemony in the region. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, agree. Okay, so moving on to the last segment of our show, where we recommend something we found interesting to the listeners. So Mohan, what is your recommendation for the day? So uh, this week I will recommend an article written by on First Post by uh, the, their editor uh, Shrimoy Talutkar, uh, which describes in great detail the the two by the two plus two dialogue and the outcomes uh, of this uh, meeting that was just held re recently. Kishore, what's your recommendation for this week? Okay, uh, my recommendation actually would be the uh, the press statement itself uh, of the two plus two uh, dialogue, and uh, this uh, press statement is actually available in the Ministry of External Affairs uh, website. So that would be my my recommendation. I would encourage uh, our listeners to actually go ahead and uh, read it. So that concludes uh, today's episode on the two plus two dialogue between the defense and foreign ministers of India and the United States. We hope you have got a detailed uh, deep dive on the current state of the Indo-US relationship in the strategic and uh, defense uh, realms. If you have any comments or suggestions, do let us know. To continue hearing about such interesting topics, do subscribe to our channel India Rising and also tap on the bell icon to be notified whenever a new episode becomes available. Until the next episode, this is Mohal and Kishore signing off.